Well, we um, <clears throat> have adopted the phrase for our time this over the next few months of our series in Judges, out of sight, out of mind. And uh, <clears throat> it's one of those phrases that I'm guessing that many of you have heard before and know of, and you, you probably use it or maybe not, but you wonder maybe sometimes, well, what's the point? What, what do they mean? And, and the idea would be if you don't see something, you don't think about it, right? Um, a person stops thinking about something or someone if they do not see that person or that thing. Um, and uh, over a period of time, when out of our sight that thing or that person is not there, we tend to forget about them. People or things that are no longer visible or present right before us uh, are usually soon forgotten, like your kitchen junk drawer. Huh? You probably don't even know what's in that drawer today. Now, some of you ladies may, right? The problem is maybe your husband keeps throwing stuff in there and uh, you try to keep it clean, but you know what I mean, the junk drawer, full of stuff and you have no idea why, because it's out of sight. Out of sight, out of mind. And all of a sudden, one day you're looking for something, the drawer opens. Ha, 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 I forgot all about that. Yeah, that's how that works. Or, or here's another one for you. How about the foreign language you took in high school? Because back in my day, I was told, oh, you got to have at least two years of a foreign language to get into college. And uh, so I actually had four years of French and two years in junior high. So if you're fluent in French, you're gonna, I'm going to talk with you right now, right? Parlez-vous Francais? That's about it. <laughs> I do know this one, Ferme la bouche. Yeah, some of you know that one too, right? Or I, I know, close the door, Ferme la port. That's about the end of my French after all those years. Why? Because out of sight, out of mind, right? That's, that's how it goes. The Greek philosopher Aristotle taught that what we remember boils down to what we pay attention to. If you give something attention, you don't forget it. You remember it. If something isn't directly in front of us, then we probably won't remember it. Out of sight, out of mind. I have a question for you this morning. Can this happen in our relationship with Jesus? Can this happen in our relationship with Jesus? Out of sight, out of mind. Now, you may say at first glance, most of us would say, not me, no way. In fact, maybe some of you would, you may be saying, how can you even suggest such a thing? Um, because it can happen, I think. How about, how about this? Whether you be a student or an adult, uh, a woman, a man, a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a son, a daughter, wherever you fit in that, Think about this with me. Summer camp. Think about weekend retreats or conferences or spiritual life seminars or marriage weekends where you're taught and encouraged in these areas to remember. Or how about the Sunday morning sermon? How about your own daily 
reading of the Bible? How about the time of the discussion in community groups? Or for those of you that are in a discipleship group, the, the, the teaching and, and discipling that goes on there. Uh, and it's this way, the spirit of, our, spirit of God stirs our hearts in these situations. Whether it be a week of camp for students or a, a, a ladies weekend or a men's retreat weekend or whatever it might be, the spirit of God stirs our hearts. We need to make a change. We recognize that. We've been all challenged about that. And, and we, we, we need to live differently. We know that we need to do that starting tomorrow or this week. And, and, and so as we're challenged, we think about the need to be more like Jesus. And we are. We're moved. We're emotionally charged up or spiritually challenged we're, we're ready to be like Jesus, and, and for a day or two, or a week or two, or a month or two, we are. But then the emotion fades, and excitement and enthusiasm slowly disappear, right? Been there? The commitment to be more like Jesus diminishes because it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day routine, the distractions of life, and, and, and the stuff that overwhelms us each day. Things we miss, we forget, and God sometimes is out of sight, out of mind. Well, As we think about that this morning, I want you to open your Bibles with me to Judges chapter 1. Judges chapter 1. Back in the Old Testament, you have the first five books, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, The first five books of the Old Testament. And then we get into Joshua, Judges. Judges chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one underneath the chair in front of you. In that Bible, it would be... Uh, page 165, page 165, and we're going to begin a new series today in the book of Judges, and we're calling it Out of Sight, Out of Mind, and we're going to spend some time looking through the book of Judges. We believe that it's very relevant to what's going on in our culture today. And uh, you read through the book of Judges. In fact, um, we have put together for you a a study sheet. Uh, We have them out at the Welcome Center. And I'd encourage you to stop by after the end of the service, pick one up. And it will just uh, be from week to week to week. The dates are listed there and give you an opportunity to read ahead of what we're going to be preaching next week. So you miss this week, but you can get caught up and then read ahead So for next week. And that's there, and that will allow you to get into it. And I'd encourage you to, to even try to read ahead or read the whole Bible through in one sitting, or the book of Judges, the whole Bible, <laughs> in one sitting. Right. Read, <laughs> read the book of Judges through in one sitting, if you can, and then break it down so that you get a, a big picture idea of what's going on and read with a, 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 a pen or pencil in your hand, however you mark up your Bible or if you use your, your tablet or your phone or your computer, whatever you do to journal, 
Take notes, write, underline, circle, highlight, all of those things so that you're paying attention as we go through these things or questions that come to mind. You can be challenged and encouraged. And so as we talk about this out of sight, out of mind, listen, Judges is not just a book of the Bible. It is a, history, it is a period of history uh, in the nation of Israel. Um, there's the days of the judges, the period of the judges. And it fits in just after Joshua has led the nation of Israel to conquer the land of Canaan, what we call the promised land. And uh, we, we read that there. It happens just after that. In fact, the book of Joshua, as you're reading, really moves right into the book of Judges. And then it takes place just before the period of the kings. Saul, David, Solomon, and then beyond that, the divided kingdom, the north and the south, Israel and Judah, and, and it fits right in the middle of there. And, and there's, I'll tell you what, folks, there's a lot of stuff. In fact, you start reading that, you might be thinking you're reading today's newspaper headlines, or you've uh, opened up the news on the internet, and, and you're reading what's there in the book of Judges, because there's some pretty... Nasty stuff. So when you begin to read through it, you'll see exactly what I mean. And uh, one writer said this, the book is quite negative. So, great, thanks. That's going to be fun over these next few. Well, it's quite negative. It begins bleakly, continues darkly, and ends horribly. (laughs) Wow, we got a lot to look forward to. Well... It's the Bible, right? It's the Word of God. It's there for us to learn and to grow. And we say, well, how could this happen? Because where we are in the book of Judges, Israel has just spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness, and everybody under the, over the age of 20, 20 years of, of age and older, died. 40 years it took for God to wipe out those 20 years of age and older in the wilderness. So it was the children of that generation, the, 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 by whatever age they were, when they went into the promised land, they had seen their older generation die before their eyes as a punishment for their sin of unbelief and refusing to go into the promised land when God told them. You can study that out in Numbers chapter 13, 14, 15, 16 and read all about that. And, and we would say, here we are uh, in the book of Judges, and, and, and it's a, a negative thing. How in the world could, could this whole period take place when after 40 years of wandering, they cross the Jordan, they're into the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey. They had already experienced what happened to their parents and the generation older than them because they didn't go into the promised land, but the land that God had said, it is yours, I will give this to you. I will defeat the enemy. It's yours. Go get it. How in the world could things be as disastrous as they are as we begin the book of Judges and as we get into it and you begin to read what's going on and we go, this is unbelievable. What is wrong with these people? Now, folks, we're going to say this a lot throughout this study, but I'm sure you're going to see yourself in there somewhere. I know I do. See myself. 
and, and we go, why? Because when we get upset or we can't believe how Israel responded, we always come right back to looking at ourselves and going, yeah, and then there are times that I can't believe how I've responded, right? And that's where we are, and that's what we need to be thinking as we move into this. Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is what God had told the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and the first uh, two verses. And I'll, and I'll read this for you. Deuteronomy chapter 28. I think we have it up on the screen if you need it there. But Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 1 and 2. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today... The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And then Moses goes on in the rest of chapter 28 or down through verse 14 to say about all the amazing things, the promises that God has in store for the nation of Israel if they will obey and follow him as they're going in to the promised land. But he also says this in verse 15. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. And then he lists all kinds of negative things. You get down to verse 20. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and rebuke in everything you put your hand to until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil you have done in forsaking him. How in the world would they forsake God after what he has done for them? We just sang that this morning. You have done great things. You have done great. And I'm sitting there, we're singing that, Asa, and I'm like, this is like fits right in. This, I, I'm, it always happens that way. I'm amazed. It's, it's God. But think about that. Israel ought to be singing that song. God, you've done great things. We're not going to turn our back on you. We're not going to walk the other direction. We're not going to disobey. We're going to follow you. But the warning was, if you don't, you're in trouble. And, and that's where we are. And, and so what happened? How in the world? Well, we get to Judges. Judges chapter 1 and verse 1. And here's the opening phrase that says it all. After the death of Joshua. Joshua's gone. The one who led them into the land of Canaan. The one who led them into the promised land. He's gone. He died. He's done. And then chapter 2, verse 10. And uh, we read that. Chapter 2, verse 10. After that, after Joshua had died... After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. So it's not just Joshua, but it's his whole generation. Those who lived after him. That whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. You say, how could that happen? Well, in Deuteronomy, the nation of Israel was told that the parents were to teach their children. So one of two things happened. Either they did that and the children disobeyed or the parents did not do that. I mean, what's the other answer? Either that the next generation disobeyed God when they were taught or their parents didn't do what they were told to do and they did not teach their children and the next generation. 
That's it. After that, the whole generation, they knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And, and we sit back and I marvel how in the world could that happen? After he, all the great things that God had done for Israel. Judges chapter 3, verse 7. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. Those were gods of the wicked nations around them, the Canaanite nations that were in the promised land, and they were there all around them. And we're going to see what it was that Israel didn't do that they should have done. They forgot the Lord their God, and they worshiped idols. Out of sight, out of mind. That's what happened. Out of sight, out of mind. The Bible calls that apostasy. We sometimes use that word and we don't always know what it means. We think it's this big theological word, apostasy, simply the act of abandoning or renouncing one's previously held religious beliefs or faith, often in favor of a different set of beliefs or not believing anything at all. There's a generation today called the nuns, not the N-U-N-S, all right, but the N-O-N-E-S. They have no connection whatsoever to the church. They've walked away. They've given up. They've put it behind them. We're not connected to anybody. We have no desire to be connected to any church, any denomination, or God, the nuns. The act of abandoning or renouncing our religious beliefs or faith, that's apostasy, and that's what Israel did. And we're going to see it pictured for us throughout the book of Judges. In fact, Judges chapter 17 and verse 6, and also Judges chapter 21 and verse 25, both verses, they say the exact same thing, and here's what they say. Judges chapter 17, verse 6, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. That's exactly what Judges 21 and verse 25 says. In another translation, they, they did as they saw fit. Or here's another way to say it. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. They did as they saw fit or they did what was right in their own eyes. Wow, that's called chaos, right? Everybody just does what's, it's, it, times do you wonder about what's going on in our culture today? Everybody does that which is right in their own eyes. The things that we read about, hear about, I've been a little bit connected this week. If you have been following the local news at all, Scranton police officer, He's laying in the hospital this morning with two bullets in his head. How in the world? Everybody does that which is right in their own eyes. And we look at those things and we can't imagine what we see and hear and, and we turn on the news and or read about it on the internet or wherever and we're going, what in the world is going on? It's craziness. And, and that's where we are in the book of Judges. And there are six repeated cycles of this 
running from God and God dealing with them and then God raising up a judge, a deliverer and bringing them back and the people repent and then it happens again. And we're going to look at those a little bit more next week. It's going to kind of be a two-week introduction, but we're going right into the Word here, and so that's why the first three chapters or two and a half chapters give us that introductory news. So look back at the Judges chapter 1 and the first two verses. After the death of Joshua, we met, that's, that's what happened. The, the people stopped following God. They didn't hear about, they didn't remember what God had done, that he had done great things. And we read there then, the Israelites asked the Lord, who of us is to go up first to fight against the Canaanites? Now, why would they ask the Lord that? Because God had told them, go conquer the land. Joshua had told them, go conquer the land. They had started, but they didn't completely take over the land. Joshua had given them the boundaries. They all knew which, where the, the boundary lines were for their particular tribe. There were 12 tribes. There were 12 areas, right? And the Levites had one. And, and, and they knew where that They needed to go conquer it. They needed to go get rid of the Canaanites and all the enemies of God. And, and so there you have it. And the Lord, verse 2, that's what, who shall go up first to fight against the Canaanites? And the Lord answered, Judah shall go up. I have given the land into their hands. And then verse 3, we read, The men of Judah then said to the Simeonites, their fellow Israelites, come with us to, into the territory allotted to us to fight against the Canaanites. We in turn will go with you into yours. So the Simeonites went with them. And as we read through this, we find out that, wow, they had great success. Judah and the Simeonites were conquering the land that had been promised to Judah. They were overcoming, and you can read about it there. And verse 8 says, um, The men of Judah attacked Jerusalem also because the Jebusites were living there, and they took it. They put the city to the sword and set it on fire. You could go down to uh, verse 17, and we read there, Then the men of Judah went with the Simeonites, their fellow Israelites, and attacked the Canaanites living in Zepheth, and they totally destroyed the city. There it is. I mean, that's what was going on. But they didn't finish the job. They continued to experience increasing failure. And as we get to verse 19, the Lord was with them, the men of Judah. They took possession of the hill country, but I, I got a big red circle there in verse 19 in my Bible around that word. But, because look at the next phrase. They were unable to drive the people from the plains because they had chariots fitted with iron. Now, you read that at first glance and you might say, oh, well, okay, of course. How could they? I mean, the enemy had chariots of iron. How in the world? Well, because God had promised to give them the land. Do you remember what the people, the spies, the ten spies, and then they convinced the whole nation back the first time when Israel refused to cross the Jordan into the promised land? They, they said there were giants in the land, walled cities. It's just too great. We can't, we can't, we can't overcome that. We can't get in there. It's just more than we can do. 
God didn't accept that. Joshua and Caleb didn't accept it, but they said, come on, don't say no to God. Let's go. We can do it because it's about God, not us. Well, here we are again, the iron chariots. And as we see that, you see, this is a big deal. The people of Israel chose partial obedience rather than wholeheartedly following the Lord. And you can read through all the way through the, 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 the book of uh, Judges here, chapter 1, because, because just continue to go on down, verse 22. Now the tribes of Joseph attacked Bethel. The tribes of Joseph would be Ephraim and Manasseh. You could go back and study that out if you remember Joseph's two sons. All right, there is not a tribe of Joseph. It's he has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Those are the tribes of Joseph. And we read, the Lord was with them, but you get down to verse 27, but Manasseh did not drive out the people and, and, and in that area. There's a little bit of obedience, but then there's partial disobedience. And we see, then you get down to verse 28, when Israel became strong, they pressed the Canaanites into forced labor, but never drove them out. Verse 29, nor did Ephraim drive out. Verse 30, neither did Zebulun drive out the Canaanites. Verse 31, nor did Asher drive out those living in the area. Uh, the Asherites, verse 32, they did not drive them out. Verse 33, neither did Naphtali drive out those living in Beth Shemesh or Beth Anath. But the Naphtalites too lived among the Canaanite inhabitants of the land. Verse 34, the Amorites. You say, I don't remember that tribe of Israel. It's because it's not. It's the enemy, but things are reversed. Look, the Amorites, verse 34, confined the Danites. That's a tribe of Israel. Who's in charge here? It should be God's people. But the enemy, the Amorites, confined the, the Danites to the hill country, not allowing them to come down into the plains. What? That's what's happening. They are not conquering the land. Look at chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land I swore to give to your ancestors. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars, yet you have disobeyed me. He said, do not get involved with the people in the land, because if you do, you're going to become just like them. Break down their altars, because if you don't, you're going to be worshiping their altars. You're going to be guilty of idolatry. And that's exactly what happened here. Verse 3, look at it. And I have also said, I will not drive them out before you. They will become traps to you, and their gods will become snares to you. And we might say, how could that happen? What in the world? Why would God say, hey, I, I, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall not make a covenant with the people of the slain, but you shall break down their altars? Why would he then say, also say, um, I will not drive them out before you, and they will become traps for you? Well, numbers. I'm, I'm going to give you this, and, and you can write it down and, and check it out on your own. Numbers chapter 33. I think I have it on the slide here. You can write these verses down. Numbers chapter 33, verses 51 to the end of the chapter. Just write down Numbers 30, 
3 and end of the chapter and read it. And you're going to see what God told Israel. But I want you to turn back a couple of pages to Joshua chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23. Because in verse 9 of Joshua 23, the Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. Now this had already happened. This happened when Israel first entered the promised land. Right? The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. This is not the first generation. This is not when they refused to go in and God said, okay, then you're going to wander around for 40 years and you're going to die, everybody 20 years of age and older. No, this is, this is now, they've conquered the land and he's saying, no one has been able to withstand you. Verse 10, Joshua 23 one of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. Woohoo, man! Now we're back to the Red Sea kind of stuff, right? This is happening now, yeah! And then look what one little statement there, verse 11 so be very careful to love the Lord your God. You see, Israel didn't. And when we get into the book of Judges, we're going to see that Israel did not love the Lord their God. Oh, there were some times when they were delivered and for a little bit were okay, but love the Lord your God. But they didn't. Why? Out of sight, out of mind. Verse 12, but if you turn away and ally yourselves, I think I have this on, yes, and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations, the enemy nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, and we're going to see throughout the book of Judges, that's exactly what they did. Then he goes to verse 13. Look at this. Then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you. Sound familiar? Whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. That's exactly what we read in Judges chapter 2 and verse 3. What a mess. Are you encouraged to be here today? Book of Judges, man, this is going to be a great study, huh? It will be, folks. It will be, because we can learn. The Lord spoke, Joshua spoke. And then you get to verse 4. And when the angel of the Lord had spoken these things to all the Israelites, the people wept aloud, and they called that place Bokim. There they offered sacrifices to the Lord. Now, it doesn't appear that this is genuine repentance or sacrifice. You say, well, how can you say that? Because it didn't last. It didn't last. And we're going to see as we move through the book of Judges. There wasn't genuine repentance or sacrifice because nothing changed. Nothing changed. Out of sight, out of mind. Now, keep your place there and you say, well, okay, so what now? What now? What, what do we do as we wrap this all up? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You may say, well, but this is just the Old Testament. This is just God's dealing with Israel. God doesn't really mean that today to us, does he? 
Well, look what Paul said to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and you can read this on your own and study through it some more. Um, Paul says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors, who is he talking about? Israel. Back in the past, right? And he says, uh, our, We're all under the cloud, that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They were all this, ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. And we preached through that uh, a couple of years back when we went through 1 Corinthians. I'm not going to go through that now, but look at this, verse 5. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. <laughs> most of them? Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. We just talked about that. Right? For 40 years, their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Verse 6, here it is. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality. There's going to be some of that in the book of Judges, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. Verse 11, these things happened to them as examples that were written down as warnings for us. In 2024, I got it right. So, does it have anything to do with us today? Absolutely. So, what now? Well, the central lesson of the book of Judges could be stated as failure follows compromise. Failure follows compromise. And we'll see areas of compromise throughout the book of Judges as we go through this. And we compromise when God is out of sight and out of mind. That's what will happen. Folks, there's a lot to be learned as we deal, learn to deal with sin you know, the interesting thing is in the book of Judges, yes, we're told how not to live, and, and we see the mess that Israel got themselves into, but we're also given means of restoration, and that's God and his grace. Came across this statement in my study this week. Incomplete mastery. Now, this is written in an old book that I had Old Testament, Jane and I found it, and I was looking through, I said, "Hun, do you remember this book? Old Testament, New Testament survey. survey. It's called Explore the Book by J. Sidlow Baxter. So there's old language, but what he says here, incomplete mastery of an evil at the outset always means constant trouble from it afterwards. You see that? Incomplete mastery of an evil when we first face it, always means constant trouble from it afterwards and often defeat by it in the end. It is, here's the old language, it is ruinous folly. 
to try half measures against sin. Think about that, folks. We have things in our lives that God calls sin and evil, things that we tolerate and put up with, things that we compromise over, and and we take a little stab at dealing with the sin, but don't do it all. We do incomplete mastery of that sin. We don't deal with it once and for all, completely and totally, and it will come back to bite us. Because that's what the devil does. It is ruinous folly to try half measures against sin. And that's what Israel was doing. Half measures are compromise. It's not doing the whole thing. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and I'll close with this. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Asa, I learned this verse. I appreciate your scripture memory. And sometimes you have that, oh, man, I just hit that blank spot. That happens. But I'm not going to try it. My deep group, we, we memorize this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin which so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Throw off anything that's going to hinder our relationship with God. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Right? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross despite scorning its shame and... I had King James sneak in there in my memory, right? Uh, And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Out of sight, out of mind. Fix your eyes on Jesus and you won't have that trouble. Don't let Jesus get out of your sight or out of your mind. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let me encourage you this morning. This is, this is not direct encouraging stuff. We read about the sin of Israel and, and they're turning away from God and yet God says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Because when we do that, he can't be out of sight, out of mind. And we're going to continue this next week, so you join us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you don't hold back any of the ugly stuff, any of the sin. You let us see people as they are. You face us with the same stuff. We recognize who we are and what we're capable of. And yet, God, we know that you have done great things and that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that our sin could be forgiven, so that you could make us your child, no longer an enemy of God, 
so that we could fix our eyes on Jesus, walk with him, and see the great blessing and glory that you have for us in this life. Father, stir our hearts, and if there is anyone here today who does not know Jesus, God, cause them to understand that despite their sin, Jesus has died to forgive that sin and move it, take it away and allow us to be a child of God. For those of us who do know you, oh God, help us not to compromise. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, for it's in his name I pray, amen.